Battle Line Podcast, wherever you're listening, uh, make sure you're subscribed. Leave a comment if you're on YouTube, even if it's just to help us with the algorithm so we can get paid fractions of a penny <laughs> for each of your views if you're uh if you're listening on apple podcasts especially leave us a review um but yeah this is the halloween episode this is going up on october 31st so happy I halloween believe. watch some horror movies go trick-or-treating with your family and yeah good stuff yeah have a good time i'm gonna be uh traveling so yeah get to miss another holiday out of the eight million that i've missed over the years but I said, trying to slow down every year, and every year it seems like something pops up during a holiday or a birthday or something, but is what it is. Got Mama's still got to get new shoes every once in a while, and got to put food, food on the table, so you do what you got to do, and I know a lot of you out there feel my pain, so uh, yeah, but but yeah, have a good Halloween if you get to go out there and get some candy and eat some food, eat some good chocolate, unless you're a diabetic, then be careful. <laughs> I know that usually, though, once you get out to these events, you end up having a good time. I yeah, think it's like the leading up what, to the event, the plane, all that. Well, it's, it's, it is, it's is, but it, I still would rather be at home, you know, regardless of how much fun I have. And and I, well, I, and it's your attitude, too. I'm going to make it fun. I, I mean, why make it miserable? I, I mean, I am already I'm not miserable, but why make it worse? I mean, yeah. that's the thing is when people worry and. And like I said, myself, I could turn into just an ogre like I used to and be like, God, this sucks, this sucks, this sucks. But then I'm just making myself miserable twice because then I'll get to the event and if the event sucks or I'm just in a bad mood, then the event's terrible. And I'm like, oh, crap, I just made myself miserable twice. Well, screw it. I, I, I'd rather be home, but I got to do it. So suck it up. Let's get it done. And and you're right. Majority of the time I'll get there and people are great and they're very happy I'm there, and which makes it makes it easy for me to be happy as well so yeah yeah i mean in in our time spent doing this i have seen it happen where i i could remember not the last shot show but the one that i couldn't make you were like oh, i do not want to go to this and when you came back you were like this was actually a really good shot show yeah, I was, time. yeah. so I, I think it'll happen but uh yeah before we get to everything uh every show of ours is sponsored by fort scott munitions fort scott munitions is a manufacturer of multi-federal patented solid copper and brass cnc spun ammunition it's designed to tumble upon impact in soft tissue leaving devastating wound channels for faster bleed out and quicker incapacitation this ammunition was originally developed to innovate and improve on the standard of military-grade ammunition design. It was found that not only did the TUI ammunition outperform competitors in the self-defense industry, but it quickly became apparent that it would be a top contender for hunters alike. With the ammunition being CNC-spun, the tolerances are some of the tightest on the market, ensuring they receive the same results with each pull of that trigger. Fort Scott Munitions is available throughout privately-owned businesses in all 50 states. You'd also just go to fsm.com, type in the promo code BATTLELINE, and you're going to get 15% off your order. That's exclusive to us. So fsm.com, promo code BATTLELINE. Fort Scott Munitions is a proud supporter of Chris Peranto, BATTLELINE Tactical, and the BATTLELINE Podcast. And as you said, uh, I'll put it up to the screen, these tins that are awesome. There's going to be an exclusive BATTLELINE Tactical tin in the next what few weeks few months yeah sh- just a couple weeks it'll be it'll should be here actually available in the next seven to ten days and and um they'll all be signed there's a spot for me to sign them and i i think i think they're really cool dude i i like the I last love. batch we did with 14th hour foundation and the ammo is great but most people just use them for 
super cool mantelpieces. They don't don't shoot the ammo out of them. Or like keep the like myself in this. Like but, yourself. Well, you yeah, or you awesome. could you could eventually just shoot the ammo though, and then keep the the tin, you know, or just and refill reload. it, right? Or refill so. it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. The tin is really cool, and it, and it it's it's something that's that that only Fort Scott does. So tremendous. Yeah, they're they're great stuff. And I, of course, like I said, I'll sign that thing. So hopefully, I'll have to sign a lot. I hope nice. so. Yeah. Yeah. Check it out, guys. FSM.com. Promo code BATTLEON. From Omaha, Nebraska to New York City, from planet Earth to extraterrestrial life in space, a podcast with no equal, engaged in unconventional warfare through your speakers and headphones. This is a show about embracing the suck, conquering your demons, and finding God in the face of adversity. Chris Tonto Peranto. Twitch is on. Motherfucker, I'm going to shoot you in the face. Ian Scotto. You know, Ian and I have been dating for a long time. You are now tuned into the Battle Line Podcast. The Switch is on Battle Line Podcast. Uh, plenty to get to. Uh, I mean, the most recent thing we could mention real quickly is both of our teams are out of the uh, <laughs> World Series, and it's going to be the Astros. Mm. Uh, yeah, versus uh, the Phillies. So, uh, yep. Yeah, you know what? I, I, you know, the Houston fans, Phillies fans, good for you. But honestly, having a Subway Series or having the Yankees, yeah, Yankees in the world, it's it's good for baseball. Just because it's it's the Yankees and the Mets, and 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 if you have that, it's it, everybody would watch that. Where now you're just gonna have people in Houston and Philadelphia watching it for the most part. But yeah, you have a Subway Series, it's good for baseball, and I think. When the Yankee, if we have a Subway Series again, the country will be back on the right track. <laughs> Things are back, but until then, we're still going to be all over the place. It's kind of like Groundhog Day. You know, we we didn't. The Groundhog went back in. It's going to be another forty nights of forty nights and forty days of winter time because the Yankees and the Mets are in the World Series. But I honestly believe that, man. Once we have a Subway Series again, the world will start to <laughs> make sense all over again. So that's too bad for baseball. But congratulations to the Astros and Phillies. Yeah, yeah, and I'm sure we have fans. We I know we have fans in oh, Philadelphia yeah. and in Houston yeah. all over listening. So congrats to you guys uh, if that's your team. Um, we didn't get to it last week, I, and you know you did a recent event in uh, upstate yeah. New York. Oh, it's it funny awesome. when people heard that you were in New York. I even know Audacious Andy were like, "You came to New York and you didn't tell me." But it's not really New York. It's sort of like Canada. <laughs> well, it's like just New York is humongous. I don't think people realize how big. It's not just the island. New York yeah. is a monster state. Andy knows this shit. Come on, Andy. You know <laughs> that. You live there. But it was uh, being in Syracuse and, and it was the Ver- Vernon area or Verona. Verona, New York. Yeah, at that's the, right. At this talking stick. Was it talking stick or I can't remember. Standing Rock Casino. or It was awesome. That casino is freaking crazy. And I didn't get really do. I didn't do any casino things. I don't gamble. But just being there and being around it, it, it was just it was a cool ambiance. And the group was a, it was the. Uh, it, they they help the healthcare industry. They do all the HVHC, like it was Train and Siemens and and that those kind of groups that sponsored it. And it was their their CEOs and their middle management that was there. 
and it, it was tremendous. They're just great reception and great speaking event and, and just a wonderful time there. And yeah, if you ever, if you're in New York, get a chance to get up to Syracuse or Verona and get up to that resort or the uh, casino up there. Because I, I hear most people in the wintertime because it's so cold, they go up there and they just go walk around the casino because it's got so many things in there. And it, it is, it was, it's just, it was kind of an uplifting experience. So tremendous time there. Good times in New York and the That's upstate, cool, upstate New York called upstate, right? Upstate. Yeah. New York. Yeah. yeah. And you know what? I, I was going to mention this a little bit after, but since I said it's basically Canada, I guess the other piece of news I could mention is if you guys remember when we had Rob Furlong on, yeah. we got kind of, I would say, his expert opinion on the handgun law in Canada. And I remember at the time, because we don't know, neither of us live in Canada, yeah. we had to ask him, hey, is this a law now? Can you not have a handgun right now as we're speaking in Canada? And he clarified that, no, as of right now, you can. However, as of a few days ago, the law has taken into effect and handguns are essentially, with you know a few rare exceptions, no longer allowed in the country of Canada. Except for the criminals that don't go by the laws anyway. It's, it's stupid. And hey, Canada, you guys got to get somebody else. <laughs> you can't keep having this this guy, this guy. And I, what's it, Trudeau? Is that his name? The kindergarten teacher? Hey, he's in charge. Yeah, he, I, it's like saying Voldemort. I don't want to say it. It's like, <laughs> we don't. We don't say Voldemort. But uh, you guys, that's that's Canada. That's on you. I, I, the rest, but for America, look at it again as a teaching tool for us. We look at what, what's going to happen. Is crime going to go down? Is handgun going to cry? And honestly, in, in nowadays, brother, is it going to be reported correctly? Is it going to be recorded correctly? Who's in charge to record it? Are, are, are handgun crimes really going to go down if we see that in Canada? Or is there misreporting or misrepresentation? That's the sad part of being in today's state of state of the world is that we don't even know if we're getting the right information. You know, polls here and polls here, depending on which way you learn, they can be completely different. So what's the truth? I'll be honest, I don't think it's going to stop crime at all. I think it actually it's going to make it worse because, again, criminals do not follow the laws, period. We know this, but Canada, we'll, we'll see what happens. Man. I don't know. Get your th- I know you have your thoughts on it, too, but I, that's my opinion. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I mean, the interesting thing there, I guess, is that at least as far as I know, and, and I could be off on this if I am, feel free to correct me. You know, you guys listening at battlelinepodcast at gmail.com. But I feel like, um, you know, you could honestly say, and we can get into the reason why, that handgun, you know, handgun crime in America is a problem. A lot of it's gang related. But as far as I know, in Canada, they don't really have the same issues that I've seen that we do in Chicago and major cities. Uh, so, I think this is more like a reaction to, oh, there's been all these mass shootings in America. All right, now we're going to use this to impose our own tyrannical gun laws. But and I don't think they've seen the same things that we have here. And that's that's what dictators do. And yeah. Guys, you have one there right now. And you, you, it's up to you to fix that. And uh, it's, it's sad because, again, the cities, like just like, you know, United States, the big cities control a lot of that, uh, a lot of that voting power, a lot of that election power, because they're the cities, and and you have all that groupthink in there, and the coffee house, coffee house bullshit that people sit around and talk about, um, and thinking of these new laws that are going to stop crime and this and that, that have no idea really how to stop crime, but because Starbucks gives them, I guess, some mental power to, <laughs> to th- they they all think this. 
I, you know, I, I feel bad for Canada, but in your rural areas got to rally, got to rally around and, and, and vote that guy out of there. I vote Trudeau, Voldemort out of there and, and get back to some common sense. But you know, I, I, in a perfect world, guys, I agree with you. If there was no guns in the world, I'd be awesome. Law, but that's never going to happen. Yeah, an invention. And, um, you know, when you talk about, yeah, standing up to him, the crazy thing is, too, um, I've actually been reading, (laughs) I've told you, I've been reading Alex Jones books, which which I'm kind of convinced he didn't write. That's a whole nother subject. But it goes in, (laughs) it goes into the Great Reset. And he does talk about what we've talked about on the show, the uh, the trucker rally. And those truckers did try to stand up to Trudeau. And the thing that is factual in there it's really irrefutable is that they really went after those people and not only them the people who donated they seized bitcoin from people who were donating small amounts to the truckers and closing people's bank accounts and all types of crazy shit so even if you're actually not a pro-gun person and you're just a pro other freedoms person i mean that really is tyrannical that you can't donate to a group that was not doing anything violent you know, yeah, yeah, it was a nuisance. They were shutting down roads. I, I will agree with that. But you, to seize people's assets because you didn't like who they donated to is extremely tyrannical. Right. And they've tried to do the same here with PayPal. We've seen PayPal. a lot yeah. of crazy stuff going on. Well, that's where we're influential people. You know, the, the, I think what really helped on that PayPal thing, first of all, America being in America, we still have a voice for the most part. But having the old C was the old founder of PayPal, he spoke out. I, I think that was huge. Somebody that's where on the trucker side of the house, if somebody within the law enforcement community stood up or with that were trying to that say, hey, I'm not going to enforce these. And maybe there were some, but I don't know. I don't know. But yeah, I think there were. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not going to enforce what you're telling me to do. But on the higher levels, the the top tier levels, yeah. or or the, in the government that says no, 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 or Treasury Department, whatever Canada calls it, the uh, a um, <laughs> the, that we're not going to take this money. No, we're not doing this. this. is This is unlawful. This is this is complete tyrannical rule. We're not doing this. I think it would help. I did think the CEO saying even something on Twitter. What even even though we don't do Twitter saying, hey, PayPal, basically saying, hey, dude, you guys are fucked up. This is not why we started PayPal. I really hey, we're on do. Twitter. Battle line podcast. Well, I'm not. I'm sorry. I'm yeah. not on Twitter. Battle line's on Twitter. But we I, have I really, presence there. I, we got I really, a thousand something followers. Yeah, yeah. I really do think that that helped. I, I do. I think people that have a voice, especially if you're in that particular industry or if you started it like the former founder of PayPal saying, hey, dude, this is not why we started this. I think that does help, uh, but we don't see that a lot because I could lose my job or I could lose my money or I could lose my pension. And, and that, that's, that's cowardice, man. When you don't stand up for something that's right, because there's a threat of you losing your job or losing money or losing your way of life uh, over here, I just happen to get lucky and fall into yeah. something else, but Hey, then that's just cowardice and you're part of the problem too. So um, yeah, I, in Canada, you guys just have to keep, rising up and standing up and in America, we can't have this either. And and I don't think we will. I think we have enough voices out there that if if any administration said, no, we're banning handgun sales, yeah, we'd have problems. And and it would it would end. It would it would stop. It wouldn't go that far. You know, <laughs> pray that it doesn't. Um but yeah, brother, that's that's again, that's just one of those things where 
you let your leaders get out of control. And if you don't rent or if you don't rein them back in, they're going to keep getting more control, and more power. And you got to eventually rein them back in or you're going to have another uh, Saddam Hussein, Omar Gaddafi, you know, Ashir, uh, Assad, Bashir Assad, you're going to have that. And you don't want that, guys. You don't want a dictator telling you what to do and controlling your life and controlling all your money because all the money will go get out of all the rural banks and start being controlled by federal banks, which is the government banks. And look what happened in China when that happened. They can, they seized all their money. We don't want that. That's that's not how we want to live at all. I, I promise you. So, yeah. I'm off my soapbox, dude. That's it. No, I, I, I think it's all well said. Um, the other piece of news we wanted to hit, and I wasn't able to print this out uh, just because of how CBS News website is set up, but yeah. they had I think they had the best article about it, to be honest. So I'll just read the whole thing because it's a short article. Yeah. Uh, the U.S. Army's 101st Airborne is practicing for war with Russia just miles from Ukraine's border. Uh, this is by Charlie Degata and Steve Barriman, um, once again at CBS. The U.S. Army uh, 101st Airborne Division has been deployed to Europe for the first time in almost 80 years amid soaring tension between Russia and the American-led NATO military alliance. The light infantry unit, nicknamed the Screaming Eagles, is trained to deploy on any battlefield in the world within hours ready to fight. CBS News joined the division deputy commander, Brigadier General John Lubis, and Colonel uh, Edwin Mathedis, commander of the 2nd Brigade Combat Team, on a Black Helicopter, uh, on a Black Hawk helicopter, a <laughs> long ride to the very edge of NATO territory, only around three miles from Romania's border with Ukraine. Uh, so it's very close. From the moment Russian uh, President Vladimir Putin launched his full-scale invasion of Ukraine on February 24th, his forces have advanced northward uh, from the Crimean Peninsula, a Ukrainian region that Moscow legally seized control of in 2014. For more than seven months, Russian troops have tried to push along the Black Sea coast into the Kherson region, aiming to capture the key Ukrainian port cities of, uh, and I'm probably getting the pronunciations wrong, uh, Mykolaiv and Odessa or Odessa. Odessa. Their goal is to cut off Odessa. Okay. Their goal is to cut off all Ukrainian access to the sea, leaving the country and its military forces landlocked. That threat so close to NATO territory in Romania is why one of America's most elite air assault divisions has been sent in with some heavy equipment. And then the quote here, we're ready to defend every inch of NATO soil, Lubis told CBS News. We bring a unique capability from our air assault capability. We're a light infantry force, but again, we bring that mobility with us for our aircraft and air assaults. Skirting northward along Romania's Black Sea coast, the Black Hawk eventually touched down at a forward operating site where U.S. and Romanian troops were pounding targets during a joint ground and air assault exercise. The tank rounds and artillery fire were, were real. The drill was meant to recreate the battles Ukraine's forces are fighting every day against Russian troops just across the border. The war games so close to that border are a clear message to Russia and to America's NATO allies that the U.S. Army is here. Uh, and then just another quote here, the real meaning for me to have American troops here is like if you were to have allies in Normandy before any, any enemy was there, Romanian Major General Lillian Berdilla told CBS News, referring to the landmark World War II battle on France's north coast. The American forces have been establishing a garrison at the Romanian military air base. In all, about 4,700 soldiers, so that's not a small amount from the uh, 101st Airborne's home base in Fort Campbell, Kentucky, have been deployed to reinforce NATO's eastern flank. 
Uh, Mathedis told CBS News that he and his troops were the closest American forces to the fighting in Ukraine. From their vantage point, they've been closely watching the Russian forces, building objectives to practice against and conducting drills that replicate exactly what's going on in the war. It keeps us on us on our toes, he said. The Screaming Eagles commander told CBS News repeatedly that they were always ready to fight tonight. And while they're there, they're there to defend NATO territory, if the fighting escalates or there's any attack on NATO, they're fully prepared to cross the border into Ukraine. So I think um, this is what a lot of people have been warning about, that um, between sending tens of billions of dollars to Ukraine <laughs> and um, and that, you know, the vo- volunteering over there would eventually lead to this, which although we're not there in a war capacity now, we're there in a training capacity. And that could lead to a lot more. Well, yeah, and we're there in a war capacity. Come on, who are you kidding? Who are you kidding, dude? Well, they're you weren't trying. We're not firing shots. Uh, not, 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 not yet. We're just waiting for the excuse to do it from what their commander's really saying. And and that, the commander, honestly, I, I didn't like the things that he said. I know he wants to be tough and be have some bravado for his troops, but. It's like, hey, we're ready for war. No, no, we don't want war. We're not ready for war. We don't need a war, especially we're not the war. We're not the police. I know I, I we, we had a Hamadi, uh, Hamadi Jassim <laughs> on here, and I I, you know, I understand what he said, and it made me yeah. feel good. Like, hey, you're, you know, you are inspiring Iraqis by being over there, even when you guys leave. I, I just don't think it's that case here in Ukraine. And, and like you and I talked about before, we, Ukraine, nobody attacked us. So when we were in the global war on terror, we were attacked. Now we're going over there. Well, Ukraine's an ally. Well, yeah, but Ukraine also is one of the biggest housers of VBIED and IED makers in the world. They're one of the biggest places where sexual trafficking uh, happens. So they're not saints either, guys. I, I I, I don't I don't know. I, I no, I, I do know. I, I don't agree with it at all. Um if you want to be a, a a mercenary, you want to go over there and fight, and you hey, have at it. I get it. I get it. Been been there, done it. I I, I understand that. Or but or that, just or just a volunteer. Or a volunteer, a yeah. Volu- going over there and they were paid, so you can't really label them mercenaries. You're, and, well, and, the, and the volunteers are going over there and helping with the like at the the church volunteers and people are going there and helping bring in the uh Refugees. But I even mean just to be the fighting volunteer, because we know plenty of people who went over, you know, on their own and helped the Peshmerga. And I think there's Merc- people doing the same I, well, Mercenary, don't, don't, if you want to go by book, textbook definition, if you're going over there and you want to fight on your own dime, or you want to get paid to go over there and fight on somebody else's dime, but it's not America's dime, have at it. That's on you. But, but putting troops in there, no, we're escalating. And for what reason? Well, they're... I, I I have a problem. I still have a problem with with this and being in Ukraine because um, I don't know I, what does Ukraine have to offer. I, I don't. I, I feel bad for the people. They're caught in the middle. Yeah. But as far as the governments goes and the politics go, this is all. This is a political war. Why does it keep escalating this much? I I don't know. Maybe there's something we're not seeing behind the scenes, which there probably is because we're not in the know. But just to be there because Russia is our enemy and they've been our enemy forever. Well, I, I don't know. I, I don't know that either anymore. Things are just twisted. I don't know. I, I, I really, that's all I got I, I, without getting it out there because I don't want to say too much because I really don't know a whole bunch. I just don't agree with it. And I don't agree with the, that's one thing we do agree on. I don't agree on all the money that's being spent, wasted. No. Over there. Don't agree with that at all. So Yeah. And maybe we'll get into it more with Eric Parker. I mean, there's plenty more that could be said, but we do have to get to Eric Parker, a guy yeah. that you 
have a long history yeah, with. Yeah, um, yeah. Before we do the best coffee out there, Beard Vet, roasted in the heart, and you got it right there. Right there. Yeah. Good coffee, buddy. Roasted in the heart of America, Omaha, Nebraska, traditional and unique flavors in ground, whole bean, or grunt cups, K-cups, and beard kits. They select a veterans charity every month to give back to, and Sean himself is a Marine, DAV lifetime member, and an equestrian helper. His wife, yeah. Amy, is a trainer. Man, they are the best coffee out there. I love their stuff. And those K-Cups are awesome. That's the biggest thing. I, I tell veteran-run coffee makers or, or any military back background coffee makers, you got to have the K-Cups, guys. It's, it just makes it quicker and easier, and they got to be good. And and they, they the grunt cups are tremendous. They're really great coffee, and you can taste it. So taste it, which is what you want in your coffee. You want to be able to taste it, even when you foo-foo it up. I got to be able to taste it. It's tremendous, and it mixes well with the Bubs that we, you know, Bubs not sponsor this show, but they are. No, they are. They are. Oh, Bubs is? <laughs> Got my bubs in there too. Great bubs and bubs and team beard vet. Best coffee, best wake up in the morning. Yes. Yeah, so check them out. And it's not just coffee. They have beard oil. They have soap. They've got great merchandise, t-shirts, hats. Check them out, guys. They, they're such a big supporter of ours and we are big supporters of them. So beardvet.com. And they have a great Twitter at beard underscore vet on Twitter at team beard vet on Instagram. And use the promo code TANTO for 10% off. Just spell it right, T-A-N-T-O. Uh, they've got subscriptions. If you want to do subscriptions to your coffee, they're just incredible. So beardvet.com, promo code TANTO. And we were just talking about Bub's Naturals. And yeah, you could you could put Bub's Naturals into your Beard Vet coffee and uh, you'll get your collagen in there, which you're likely not getting in your food. I mean, there's yeah. not a lot of whole foods out there where you're getting collagen and such a great supplement for your hair, skin, nails, and your joints, muscle recovery. Uh, and that's just one of their great supplements. No, look at the man. I'm 51 years old. I still got nice flowing hair. My nails still grow. And the collagen actually is helping and it is helping with my recovery. I mean, I'm doing very well with my, where I blew out my knee and, and rebuilding and seeing back up. It, it takes time, but I know it's helping a bit because I can feel with the, the strength and, and just the elasticity coming back in my tendons. And, and to say it's just the bubs, of course it's not, but it does help. And the MCT oil, great for my gut health. And then of course the gummies that, that make you make your insides happy yeah. and and they do but don't overdo the gummies guys yeah. you pay for it just a couple a day but they taste so good it's like you just they're just like eating gummy bears you just want to eat them all the time but dear guys best collagen best supplements on the market uh bubs natural and of course they give back to to uh the glendorda memorial foundation and that's that's honestly that's a big that's the hugest region right there why you get a great product but they also give back which a lot of companies don't do that yeah, and if they do give back, they give back a small percentage. And for them, it's 10% of all proceeds go to yeah. the Glenn Doherty Memorial Foundation, which is doing tremendous things yeah. for both veterans and families of veterans and fallen veterans, fallen heroes like yeah. Glenn Bob Doherty, families like that. So check them out, bubsnaturals.com, promo code BATTLELINE. You're going to get 20% off. And although you could find their stuff in Vitamin Shop and other places, you're going to get the best deal with us. Yep. So just go to bubsnaturals.com. Use the promo code BATTLELINE. So many of our listeners have seen great results, and you're going to as well. So joining us for the first time on BattleLine Podcast is a guy with a very long history with Tonto, and we'll, I'm sure we'll get into that. Eric Parker, 
Army Special Operations vet with the deployment to Mogadishu, Somalia, then went on to serve as a private contractor with Blackwater in Afghanistan. And that's where you met Chris. You're now working in private security. And uh, it's an honor to have you on. That's really all I know about you. So I'm excited <laughs> to get into your background and, and your history together. It's really not that exciting. <laughs> yeah, he is. He's not an exciting guy. He's Looks very, very he's very, very vanilla. I don't even know why the hell we had him on. It's going to be boring <laughs> as shit. This episode's going to suck. No, no, but it's good to have you on. And honestly, I, I let's just start from the beginning. Uh, what can you know? Tell, talk about what you can tell. But I, you know, we get a lot of listeners, and they're they're either young and they're thinking about joining, or of course, we get older with or have their kids. Now we're we're getting old, brother. Yeah, you know, we got the gray going on. That their kids are thinking about joining. So I think just hearing from the beginning, just when you started, and and then you know, if you're an interesting fella, and we want to continue to carry on and hear more <laughs> about your career, we'll have you on again. But I, I think, yeah, just start from the beginning, like, you know, you know, just just growing up and, and joining. I don't really know anything about your family background, so I don't know if you had a family. I'll be honest with you, if your family was military or not, and if they were, if that played any account. But this is your your platform. So let's just take it from the top, man. Well, uh, I basically, uh, you know, graduated in 91 and then uh, I got talked into joining the Army at the early age of 17 by uh, a really good wow. friend of mine. Cool. Uh, we were joining on the buddy program. However, uh, he got out on a medical and, uh, basic training and uh, I got stuck for six years. <laughs> yeah, so, he, he screwed you. Screwed you. Where, now, what, did you join? Did you go to Benning? Where did you jump to? Did you infantry? Were you going to Jackson? No, where you, where, no, where no, no. I was actually uh, I did uh, basic at Fort Knox. And then uh, I went in back then. I think the MOS was 67 Tango, basically Blackhawk, Blackhawk crew chief door gunner okay cool and uh i mean i really had a promising career at this video store i mean upon a graduation i was supposed to make like assistant manager but uh he foiled my uh my plans and he got me to join and uh you know i both i both my grandparents uh retired from the military so uh, my one grandfather served in uh, korea and uh, multiple tours in vietnam my wow. other grandfather did tours in vietnam as well so wow. Um, yeah, I really actually didn't even know what I was joining um, to begin with, what the job was. It just looked kind of cool. I saw some helicopters and shit. And then, uh, I mean, even to the point where I graduated AIT and they're giving us wings on our class A's, I thought, wow, that's cool. That'll probably get me laid. <laughs> then uh, got to my first unit in Korea and saw people wearing flight suits and they talked about getting on flight status. And I just thought, man, that was the coolest shit. That flight suit is definitely going to get me laid. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it kind of went on from there. Um, I left Korea and I went to, uh, Fort Campbell and my unit was already, uh, deployed to Mogadishu at the time. And we had just lost the first, uh, air crew in August of, uh, so was that, was that, did you, so did you, were you at, so you went to Korea and then did you jump to now at that time? Was there what? So yeah, yeah. It was task force. Did you jump over to task force? Is that, I didn't, I went okay. to the 101st. Yeah, sure. I was, 9th Battalion, 101st, and uh, they were there supporting the, uh, they were part of the quick reaction force operations there. Okay. Uh, flying the Mishu, eyes over Mogadishu. Okay. So uh, the biggest thing was, you know, task force being there. I watched how quickly they came in and how quickly they got out. And uh, when I, we left, we got relieved by uh, 4th Infantry Division. And okay. it took us two weeks to get a bird allotted to get us out of there. So that's when I decided to put in my packet. <laughs> I went through... Uh, 
selection, or as they call it, Green Platoon, uh, with Task Force, and then uh, went over to Delta Company, 1st Battalion, Hooter Brothers, uh, Black Box. Oh, cool, cool, cool. Uh, now, on the basic training and stuff, I, I'm going back to it. I, in the 90s, I want to think, always put it in perspective with guys going into basic training now. And I know we're jumping back. Stories, how was it? How was the drill? So I know when I went through in the 90s, it was pretty rough. I, but it was supposed to. It was, I expected that. It was awesome. But was it was it rough? And, and you can say how you want. Compare it to what goes on now. And even if the morale of the uh, – even the, the, how the troops are now and, and the morale. And does does that hard training – Help morale, which I believe it does. You don't have to agree with me. Or as we get softer and we get more woke in the military, does that does it is that what's helping morale? Which I, I honestly I could say it doesn't, but my opinion. But what's your opinion? But also some stories, yeah, from from basic and how hard it was. No, I mean, uh, like I said, I joined when I was seventeen years old, so um, I thought it was scary as hell. <laughs> you know, um, our senior uh, drill sergeant, you know. Um, he had his ranger tab, he had pathfinder, he had master jump wings, and he had this, this little <laughs> strip of hair going down yeah. the center. And he looked like a dork when he walked in with his glasses and stuff. And then we just, he just unleashed hell. And like, yeah, no, we were scared shitless of him. Um, I even actually tried to get my MOS changed. You know, we were trying to go through. I was like, man, I want to be a ranger. Man. Right? He, I want to be everything that he is. He is that bad. And, uh, and people were like, what is your MOS? And they're like, are you kidding? You've got the, like the best MOS in the world. And I'm like, I don't even know what it really is. They're like, trust me, you're going to like it. At that point, I'm like, will it get me laid? You know, yeah, no, that's always, as you can tell when you're 17, you go in the military. That's all you give a shit about. Am I going to get laid? What's going to get me laid? Now, let's, did the flight suit get you laid then? Let's just put it that, did, did it? Or was it just because of your, your charisma and your demeanor and your good and your dashing good looks? They're, they're, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to lean towards the dashing good looks <laughs> being in Korea because blonde hair and blue eyes in Korea. Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, I guess you are Definitely an anomaly up there. Yeah, you you yeah. sucker, you lucky guy. <laughs> well, you know, military, military, you did awesome in military. And I, I know Somalia was an experience. Do you have any stories from Somalia or anything that happened that maybe stick out? And it doesn't have to be comet. It can just be just the Jack Ashford that goes on when you're on deployments and the stress that, that's there. You know, there's a, a lot of things that go back to, I mean, it seems like I've forgotten more than I remember. Um, even times from back in Iraq, I'll sit down with somebody and I'm like, oh yeah, I mean, yeah, I absolutely. actually got an award, uh, <laughs> last year, so, a buddy of mine, his widow sent it to me and she was like, Hey, you know, you're listed on this. I was like, oh yeah, I forgot. I was a part of that. <laughs> even, didn't you remember that? Yeah, it was a fun night, but, um, no, it's just, uh, there's little nuances that, uh, you know, I like to throw out there, you know, like people don't understand the, uh, the first casualty out there was actually a shark attack. I didn't know that. Holy shit. Yeah. No way. What yet? Yeah, tell me what happened. I want to know. Well, uh, you know, people would be on guard duty the night before. So you get the day off. Well, since we weren't in the air force, we didn't have any air conditioners in our uh, GP medium. <laughs> so, uh, you know, in, in a 180 degree heat hell, you know, that Africa hot, it's not like you're going to catch a nap during the day. Yeah. Uh, some people would go down to the, the beach and, uh, one guy went down there. I think he was an E4, and he went down with his section sergeant, who was a female E5. And uh, we weren't allowed to be in the water. 
It was like put off, hands off to us because of the sharks. It was like a camel slaughtering plant, like a mile up the coast. Wow. They basically yeah. just dumped the guts in. So that place was just shark infested. And yeah, he got attacked um, and killed him. Did it really? Or he did. What did you, did her find out what hit him? Did he get hit? What? what and I mean, Graphica. I, you I, think I of great, great white sharks. So you're thinking about. I'm Indian sure there's Ocean. everything. Indian oceans. Yeah. Wow. Holy shit. But that's what, what was. What the hell was he thinking? Was he trying to impress the E5? I get. You know. You I've know heard, I, Italians were there. You know, it was a multinational. You know, at everything at the international airport. So they were all in the water. They had shark netting up. Um, and wow. I think it just, man, it was just so hot. And you think, you know, it's not going to happen to me. Yeah. Yeah. That's it always is. Well, you're getting small. You got back to the state side. How many more years did you put in? And then your route after that? You know, I, I just did my six years and I got out. And uh, at the time, you know, Internet was just coming online. I think the big thing was AOL. I didn't have an email <laughs> account. So you kind of lose uh, you kind of lose track of everybody, you know. Uh, now with Facebook, everybody keeps in touch. I mean, I'm friends with my old regimental command sergeant major. I just had lunch with him a few months back. He came into town, and he's living his uh, his best life right now. Uh, you know, traveling around in the RV yeah. <laughs> with his yeah. wife. Yeah. Um, so I did. I did what I think most all of us do is I got out and I collected unemployment for six months and went to Hooters every day and drank <laughs> beer. <laughs> um, but then six months came and gone, and next thing you know, the states notify me. They're like, hey. Uh, Time's up, man. You got to find a job. So I went out to uh, job services again. You didn't have like monster jobs. Yeah, job service. That's what we have. I remember that yeah. too. Going to job service. So yeah. I had no idea what I wanted to do. I was enrolling in college at the time. I was going to get my bachelor's in criminal justice and uh, worthless degree. But um, anyway, <laughs> I got I got it. That's mine too. Yeah. My bachelor's in criminal justice. <laughs> yeah. I, have, I have a degree in radio, which is pretty worthless too. <laughs> Especially so, now. Uh, I mean, look, ever, anyone could do a podcast now, right? right. <laughs> have any background. So. so I found this job and it said uh, custom protection officer. And I, I was remember, like, what I remember do? that jo job service. It was all over the place on the job service board. It was custom this, custom service, custom serve protective officer. Yep. Holy shit. Yeah. What, yeah. What was that? Because it was everywhere so, on the job service. Well, they had they had all these like qualifications and stuff, you know, retired military, yeah. former law enforcement, all the stuff. And one of them said former elite forces. You know, I always like to joke around. I said, you know, I can claim special operations, but I wasn't that direct action guy. You know, it was like a real learning curve for me when I got to uh, Moyoc. You know, especially sure. we started doing CQB. I'm just like, he went yeah. left, he went right. I'm doing whatever he did, you know. And <laughs> somehow I scaled through. So anyway. Did I'm you have, did you have like, as people call it, um, imposter syndrome where, because you're saying you felt like, I don't have the background of these guys. What am I doing here? No, no, because there were some other guys. I mean, there was an MP. I mean, we had a tanker in my class. It was really an odd class. You know, we had one guy, SEAL Team 6, all the way down to... But I mean, like even in that, uh, that our vetting course, we started out with like 28. We graduated 11 and uh, they were cutting people left and right. Rangers, uh, 18 Deltas. Every night going back to the hotel, it was like, holy shit, grab a beer and just go to your room. Remember when it was going to be your last. Oh, day. oh we're, we're going to get into that. I want to talk about yeah. that for after. But I want to hear I want to hear the, the so customs. I went to this interview for this company called Wacken Hut. Yeah. And, uh, oh, shit. Yeah. They look they're at like, my DD two fourteen, and they're looking at everything. They're like, "Oh yeah, you, we want you, we want you." And uh, 
Next thing you know, I'm sitting through this 40-hour security guard course. I'm actually running one next door in my other classroom here right now. And uh, next thing you know, I'm out on a construction site making like nine bucks an hour with a hard hat and a security officer uniform. I was like, wow, all those cool cool shit I did in the, in the Army really paid off. What, what 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 were you doing at a construction site? Like what security, like so they don't steal the hammers and the nails? I mean, was I mean, it? It was a big corporate center for uh, Citibank. Uh, okay. North America, so they were bringing it in, and you know, it's the, crazy. The best- that really does sound like you know, right out of Rambo. How it's like, yeah, you come back, you did all this cool stuff in the military, and now, yeah, I've I've heard this from so many guys that even we've had on the show. Like they come back from being an army ranger, special forces, and then they apply to be like a delivery driver with Domino's, and they'll be like, yeah, yeah you're you're overqualified, so and and you can't even get a job. So yeah, it's, I feel like what you're, what you're talking about is like it's a story that that happens pretty often, and we don't hear about it enough because. You could probably talk to Chris, but it's like pride of guys. They don't even want to say that this happened. So, I mean, we appreciate you being candid about it. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah, I did that for, you know, a couple of years while I was going to college. And uh, the thing about the, the security industry, especially domestically, um, there's a lot of idiots in it. So if you have like half a brain, you're going to rise to the top. <laughs> and so I was promoted to a supervisor uh, very quickly. Um, I ended up uh, leaving. Let me go back here. We got, we got you. We hear you. We got you. We got you. We got you. Keep it uh, the other way, though. Yeah, Yeah. you got it. Yeah. Um, You you look bigger if when you do it wider. (laughs) So keep it wide because you look like you You look huge, bro. (laughs) Only so much I can do. Um, You know, so I I did that. I ended up working for another uh, security agency right after 9 11. And um, I started, got That's where I got into executive protection at. And then, so, uh, Eric, what you're in aviation. Was there just not, in, I mean, you, you weren't flying, but you were part of the aviation. Was it just not an avenue at that time that you could, you could flow into coming out? Cause now, I mean, now contracting companies are handling all the aviation shit. DynCorp did all of our aviation when I was with GRS. I, so, but it wasn't like that when you came out, uh, I'm assuming. Well, we had, we had DynCorp at task force, you know, we worked yeah. hand in hand with them and, um, me, it was all about, you know, I was probably like 23 years old, thought I knew everything at that point. Sure. And uh, just wanted to get home and see my friends and, you know, get back to a normal life thinking, you know, life moves on. I did six years. I'm good to go gotcha. now. Okay. Um, but anyway, I, I just stayed in the private security industry and uh, started working executive protection. And again, I rose up to the top ranks and stuff, which was pretty interesting because, um, I got uh, HR fell under me. So I'd have like guys come in, they'd put in their application and they put on their uh, army ranger. Like, okay, looking at their DD-214, nothing's adding up at that time. You know, um, and I understood, you know, that the tempo from the package, you know, from 9-11, the global war on terrorism, you sure. know, people weren't getting all the schools that normally uh, they might not be getting, but you know, there's still certain things you pick up on and, sure. you know, I'd ask them, I would say, well, you know what, what's the Ranger creed? And they would just look at me and I'm just like, yeah, I'll, if we find something that fits your, your qualities, I'll let you know. Get out well, you're here. not, you were nice about it. Look, you were very, you were very diplomatic about it where you couldn't, you know, said, hey, you lying was, motherfucker. I just used to laugh about it back then. I, I really didn't take it very seriously. I was just like, whatever, man, you know, yeah. I, I never understood the whole fake the funk thing. Yeah. Um, guys coming in, I'm special forces. I'm like, okay, what'd you do at special forces? Oh, I was a sniper. 
I was like, oh, okay, that's an MOS. I said, so you were uh, you were 18, 18, and he's like, no, I was I was 23. And I'm like, yeah, get, get the hell out of here. 220, 221, whatever it takes, dude. Yeah. Whatever it takes. <laughs> that's, that's, a, that's hilarious. Who Now, when you're getting EP, was it still with Wackenhut when you're moving up? Because they were the big no. company back in the day. That was like, they were like the Garda World, the, what's the other big one that runs all over? Now all you're around. allied. Yeah. Allied. Yeah, allied. Yeah. But now, now I don't think they're any, any, or they got bought out by somebody. But They got out by... G4S and then I G4S got bought out by Garda. Garda, one of the two. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, I was I was loving life in uh, you know beautiful Tampa, Florida, and then uh, one of the guys I worked with um, got killed June fifth, two thousand four, on Route Irish. Who? Who? Which Blackwater? Yeah, yeah. Who? who, Chris, you want? Okay, all right. That was okay. We worked together. Could you say his name again? Because we 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 kind of stepped on you there. What's that? Just say what? his name again. Chris, say Chris's name, if you don't mind, who it was. Chris Chris Niedrich. Niedrich. Yeah. Okay. So uh, I got notified that morning after all the reporting came out. Um, we got his body back and uh, had a nice ceremony for him and everything. Um, but I kept, kept in touch with Chris um, while he'd been over there. Um, I knew what his background was versus mine. Um, I knew how much money he was making, which sounded really good at the time. <laughs> And um, I actually, you know, was looking for ways to get back in. Um, one of the guys I had actually uh, hired on uh, was Coast Guard. He was talking about he'd just gotten back from Iraq. And I'm like, whoa, Coast Guard, Iraq. What, what are you talking about, dude? Get the hell out of my office, you know? And it's, he's like, no, no, really, you know? So, you know, he started turning me on to this, uh, this job, you know, port security units. And uh, it was like a reservist position, you know, but you could stay active as long as you wanted. And uh, so I was going to try and get that. And uh, unfortunately, Coast Guard said I needed a waiver and that they don't issue waivers. Um, That's a conversation for another time. (laughs) But uh, (laughs) so I was looking for a way to get back in. I was newly married. Um, My son was, uh, you know, a few months old. And uh, so I went ahead and applied for Blackwater. And uh, next thing you know, um, the next day I got an email saying, hey, fill this out. And it was based on the State Department bio stuff and uh, yeah. sent it back in. A few days later, I was sending a, a date. Be here this date. We'll send you plane tickets and such. And uh, and that's when uh, I started the Blackwater life. Was that 05 or was that 05? I can't remember, brother. 05 or 04. Was it the end of 04? End of 04. I was October of 04 is when I uh, got to okay. I was in class nine. Uh, okay. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. That's when we started to get a really big flux of, of yep. people. Yep. And it was weird because the Coast Guard, it, it was the weirdest thing. It, and I probably know, I probably have an idea who the Coast Guard guy is, but a lot of us were there like, who the fuck? How are, how are you? What's, it was all the, if you knew the contracting officer, if you knew, if you were buddies with the contracting right. officer, the background kind of was, uh, yeah, you're fine and, and get in. And and not say he didn't do a good job. If it was the same guy, we don't need to mention his name. But it was still like one of those things that I saw in the contracting world where you had requirements, but there were always waivers for those requirements too. And sometimes they hurt the, hurt the job. And when we had that influx of people right around that time frame, we did see a lot of guys that Oh man, are you sure you should be? And I know you went through them. So what was your, you went through training with a lot of them. So what was your experience there during class nine? And and it was still, the standards were still trying to be held at that point in time. They hadn't oh, completely yeah. gotten rid of them, but they were starting to get a little bit lax. So 
Yeah, what they, was your experience at Marriott, man? Right, right off the bat, they uh, cut an eighteen delta, and you know how bad an eighteen delta is in demand. You know, yeah. especially at that time of day. Wow. Um, there were there were a couple things. You know, I think they got him, um, but it was really the uh, M four call. He couldn't uh, he couldn't qualify. And it was funny the night before because he lived locally and he was like, hey, guys, hey, guys, if any of y'all want to go to the range and practice tonight, you know, I have an AR-15. That's the that's the civilian version. You know, we're all just looking at him like, you know what? I think I'm good, man. And uh, he's the one that actually failed. What what would and you know, it really was it was the State Department call, right? It wasn't yeah. with the M4. It wasn't that that difficult. What, was he a Delta or was he just not shooting? And we no, saw, no. He, he was, huh? He was. He was actually an RN. Uh, no, show. um, but he was. I, I think his days had uh long passed. So, was it he but was an older, an older gentleman? Oh, yeah. He, he yeah. was our, he was your boy, Blue. We had we always had a blue, always had, yeah, blue. Was a blue. <laughs> always had a blue at every class. But it's, I think we tell people it's a perishable skill. People think you can just shoot and shoot and shoot. And these guys shoot forever, you know, and then all of a sudden you don't shoot for a while, it's perishable. So uh, what was was that a wake up call? Or was that like, oh my gosh, you know, maybe I do belong here, even though I don't have this uh, special forces ranger name, seal pedigree. I I can do this, and I, I belong here. Or what was your feeling at that point in time? My my feeling was I've been doing protection for a while at that right. point, and to me, protection is protection. Even when I talk to my uh, new students coming through my course, you know, about uh, <clears throat> one transitioning over to the other side. Uh, because there was a huge um, backlash, you know, between the uh, guys doing domestic stuff because they yeah. couldn't get on the high threat con uh, yeah. contracts because of their backgrounds. And uh, in the end, I, I just tell everybody, you know, it's like it's the the weapons platforms that you were expected to be proficient with. You know, I'll even ask my my students, you know, do you know what an M two forty nine saw is? Do you know what an M two forty Bravo is? Hell, when I was in, we had the M sixty. So that 240 was real nice when they handed that to yeah, me. Yeah, it is. It yeah. was a pain in the ass. <laughs> yeah. um, but I mean, it's all, you know, same same thing, you know. Um, and But the ultimate thing was, is uh, are you going to get in the fight when it's time? And I, I tell everybody, you know, I don't blame somebody, you know, for uh, how they're going to react in a, in a situation they don't know what to expect. Yeah. yeah, You know, I've seen grown men crawl up in the fetal position. Oh, yeah. And, uh, I don't, I don't discount them, you know, but as far as I'm concerned, they need to change their job after that, uh, because now they're putting lives yeah. at, uh, jeopardy. Oh, and Absolutely. getting it, you know, getting into that, man, because we talk about that offline, you and I've gone and you might have our own issues with state department. You got through Blackwater. Let's get into the nitty gritty and hey, man, state department. Cause you, you, you spent a lot more time with State Department. Actually, you still, from what I understand, you still, I don't say work with them, but you still have some dealings with them and, 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 but get in and, and how would, how'd that go on your first trip? And then throughout the years, what have you seen with, with the State Department security and State Department themselves, not just the security aspect of it? So let me, let me step back for one second. Go ahead. Yeah, please. Stop on it. So um, I spent three years in Baghdad um, I started out on the high pro, we started up the low profile stuff. And the last year I was on the TST, the tactical support teams, um, where I was actually on the Nisra square incident. Which, that's right. Yeah. yeah. Can you, can you, that's, Hey, can you talk about that at all? Or is it still classified bullshit? No, no there's no, it, it's all open stuff now, especially after uh, Trump pardoned our boys. Well, and I think um, you and I have the same mindset too on that. We're, 
if you should, some guys shouldn't, shouldn't be there. You don't know how to hold your emotions together. Yeah. Okay. Talk about that. If you don't mind, I'd like to hear your, your side of the story yeah. on that one, brother. Sure. Well, with, with the, the Nisa square things, I mean, I'm sure you can remember too, back in the day, I mean, a V bid would go off at uh check. Yeah. 12 and they were like, all right, all missions canceled. Shut yeah. it down. Yeah. But it all goes down to who's the RSO. And, um, I look at the Nisa square thing and I'm like, um, it should have, been rolled back a little bit because uh everything started on september 9th okay so september 9th um there was a uh an attack at adamont city hall okay where the advance team was there um the arrival movement team had just arrived a grenade was thrown over the wall which ensued a battle uh firefight uh tst teams went in and all three tst teams were in and over the years as it evolved you know from you call out a shoot on the radio to they actually make you take a day off. Well, we were at the take a day off break. Well, I got really excited about that being on TST because if we can't work, then no teams can work. And September 10th is my birthday. So I'm thinking <laughs> I'm getting my birthday off for once. Yeah, this is awesome. <laughs> so, I mean, all missions, all moves were canceled for the next day. So we're all, you know, barbecuing the night before, drinking beer, having a good time and stuff. And then, uh, Next morning, you know, middle of the morning, my radio's going off, get to the vehicles, get to the vehicle, suit up, you know, uh, a bird went down, you know, and it just so happened we had a medium lift shot down on the way back from Hilla. They recovered wow. the guys, but they needed to send people back out there to sterilize this bird. Sure. And wow. Tear it apart. So, um, so we sent guys in by helicopter on the ground. I was on the ground team. And then, of course, another firefight ensued over that. Um, they, I think they finally gave us the next day off. They're like, all right, let's take a break. But then it all got fired up again on the 12th. You know, one of the TST teams was out and I believe they were over by uh, ministry of finance and they got hit with an EFP. Wow. Um, so we were secondary that team that day. We were trying to get to them and, uh, they took basically just injuries, no, uh, casualties. Um, but at the same time, a team was coming back from biop to the green zone. Um, just doing a motorcade, typical motorcade. Mm -hmm. I think it was like a three vehicle, I think, but they had a cat truck with them, okay. uh, Humvee. And, uh, when they got out, you remember back in the day, everybody just guns it down Irish as yeah. fast as we can. You yeah, know, yeah, yeah, yeah. On fire, let's do this. Well, they didn't think about the Humvee that's having a hard time catching up, you know? So they, right out the gate, they're on it in the Suburbans and the Humvee's flying up. Now, the, is that the, now they're all the same team though, right? Or is the Humvee yeah. an army? What the nope. hey team leader? What the fuck are you doing? Where's your well, command, <clears throat> command and control? Was there no radio contact with? I, I, I'm just going to go off of what I know, and basically okay. they realized it and they started <clears throat> slowing back. Sure. Well, just before you get to uh, checkpoint twelve, heading into the green zone. Yep. Remember that old blown out building? Yeah. Was oh yeah, that was that was cool. I mean, you could always see it coming. Yeah, you'd see it. You'd always look at it. It was always going to get hit, or you were going to take sniper fire, or something was going to come out. But it was also cool just to see it every day. Come. Yeah, that's there's that. I mean, that's one of the things you 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 miss from going to these deployments is just a bomb shot up building that you might get attacked from. But even if you don't. It's still cool. cool it's like, it's like yeah. Yeah, that's like that's every day. Yeah, yeah, I remember it. Yeah, so, so. so that's where they decided to slow down and wait for the Humvee. That did since oh four since <laughs> we knew that was that that was like where you always watched because that's where an attack was going to come because it was such an yeah. easy place to set up in because you couldn't see. Okay, who? What kind of quality of guys were you getting coming in? I, you know what? I don't even know what team it was. Jesus. Um, 
you know, 07 was, it was a bad year. I mean, that was the, the surge, you know, everything was going down that year. Um, well, luckily the, uh, the bad guys were so front sight focused on that, those Suburbans, they didn't see that didn't lone see Humvee hauling no ass with that turret already yeah. rotated over yeah. all the windows down, guns blazing. <clears throat> yeah. And, uh, from what I understand, they sent an ODA out to the building that was operating in the area and it was nothing but, uh, bad guys laid out. Wow. They cleared it out. I mean, luckily yeah. for them. Yeah. Well, good, good thing. Luckily for them. God's always looking out for you, man. That Humvee was rolling up on, but good on the Humvee. Cause that's what we would do. I remember everybody would always traverse to that building. We'd have a couple guys looking to the back because that's where the control or Edinburgh risk groups guys got hit with that PKM yep. in 05 from the yep. other side. But yeah, I remember those, those days. So that's cool. They got what, so all this is going on. When did the Nicer Square thing pop up and, and what happened? What was your, what was oh, your a couple, involvement? A, a couple days later, um, we were primary TST that day. Um, and of course, being on the tactical sport teams, we had to be within four minutes of any team on the sure. move. So uh, it was just before lunch. We were staged at checkpoint 12. Mm -hmm. um, a movement team was going to a venue over by the Monster Mosque. Um, they got on site, called secured. We're like, all right, let's break. Let's head back to the uh, man camp to get uh, uh, lunch. And as we were going, I'm in a turret and um, of a Saxon. So I'm kind of bouncing in my turret, got my peltors on, just the wind well, tell, in my face. Tell you know? everybody what a Saxon is. A lot of people don't know because it's a it's South African. Is that right? I think it's South African. But basically but, a giant armored personnel carrier, okay. uh, right-hand drive, um, hot. Yeah. Um, but it has two turrets. I was lead gunner in the turret. Um, and as we were going just right about the cross swords, you know, you hear that boom. Yeah. And uh, people don't understand, you know, when a car bomb goes off, you hear it everywhere. You know, um, we immediately, you know, flipped a bitch, started heading back. Um, and you could hear the radio already going off. And uh, so we knew we were going into a hot venue. Did you hear the? Did you hear the gunfire? Did Could you distinct? I, I think I, I really do feel AK-47 and PKM gunfire is distinct. Did you hear that or were you just hearing the small M4 and then some of the turret? And again, I don't, I don't get anybody in trouble. I just want you to tell me what you, what you heard because. Um, I, honestly on, on that one, I was in the turret, you know, I had my Peltors on. Peltors on. Okay. Keep a, I had a hand mic. So my hand mic was mounted right here. Yep, so it yep, yep. right into my uh, Peltors okay. speaker. Um, I don't remember hearing any fire, uh, any am, uh, shots fired or anything. Okay. Um, I think they might've been in the vehicles, getting everybody loaded up and stuff. Sure. Um, when we got there, they told us to stay off the venue. So we yep. stayed a couple hundred meters back. I could see the carcass of the V bit in flames burning. And they said it was probably easier for them to, you know, egress the venue and come to us. Um, so they came to us, uh, we put them in the center of us. So it was, uh, two armored personnel carriers, uh, uh motorcade of suburbans and then our last two uh apcs and we were making our way back and i remember somebody yelling contact i remember i had something uh to the left i had to engage um we had little birds overhead so the secondary tst team had pushed out at the checkpoint to decer square to lock it down for sure us. Mm -hmm. um next thing you know um we hear on the radio that they're in contact and that's when i could hear all the firing going off you know, all the rounds going off. Um, I heard that them say vehicle down. Uh, we're going to attempt to tow it out, you know, and I knew they were in contact. Um, but of course, now we had a principal with us. So we had to circumnavigate uh, yeah. back towards BIOP and come in on BIOP to get them back in the green zone. Um, but then we came in to flank them 
uh, because we thought they were still actively engaged. And it's funny because when I went to State Department, we had to sit down with some attorneys to talk about yeah, this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Why don't you ask Eric? He was there. And apparently the way I described it uh, wasn't politically correct for the State Department because <laughs> I said we were going to flank them and we were going to come in and kill all the bad guys. And they're like, oh, you, you can't say kill. You have to say uh, neutralize the threat or something. And I was like, oh, no, we were dead set. They're going to kill these motherfuckers. Um, but when we got there, the team had actually was able to push out. And they were pushing out around the green zone trying to come in back in like, to like checkpoint two over by Ministry of Foreign Affairs. Sure. So they were okay. kind of skirting along the green zone. Okay. Well, we thought maybe we were in the wrong spot um, <clears throat> because I didn't see any bodies laying everywhere. You know, um, and I'm in a stacks. I'm in the highest point of this. Uh, well, and, and and you expect to see, especially that quick on, because if with that amount of gunfire, you expect to see some some carnage. You expect to oh, see yeah. dead. You expect to see people neutralized. And and that's and that's what I you know I, I get you. I mean, I'm following you because that's 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 sort of most like that's what I heard as well from some of the senior like guys like yourself. That were there. Not, not I, I. I get it, guys. I get it. When you're in turmoil, you get and you panic, and, and you do panic. But I've yeah. seen panic fire go on too, and that's not a good thing either. You know. Yeah. But continue. Yeah. Go ahead, brother. I'm sorry. So I'm sitting there, but the, the one thing I noticed, you know, is uh, the Iraqi police that just kept mounting up. And I finally said, I, I just came over the uh, internal comms and I said, "Is it just me, or are they taking up fighting positions on us?" And I'm sitting there and, and people are like, holy shit, I think you're right. Next thing you know, little birds are overhead. And they said, yeah, they're reinforcing the rear with dishkas. And um, I'm sitting there. And I'm like, it's about to get on. And, uh, you know, like I said, 2007 was a very hairy year. You know, a lot of ambushes. We went in getting people and stuff. A lot of <clears> firefights. <throat> and um, the, the one thing is I've never been scared in a firefight or even getting into the firefight. You've got so much adrenaline. You hear your brother's in need and you just want to get there and get in that fight so quick and and do what you can to help and stuff well um that day as i'm sitting in that turret of a saxon where we don't have any blast shields yeah, like no, no, no. i'm from the waist up with my my level four body armor on me and i'm looking at all these guns on me and i'm like oh i'm i'm dead yeah. and i lean down in the turret to my uh a gunner and uh I, I said, hey, man, I said, uh, I'm going two clicks to auto and dumping this mag in the fountain area of those guys. I said, and I'll try to get the 240 up as quickly as possible because we had it bungee corded. So it wouldn't. Yeah, yeah. Those mounts we had sucked. And he's like, he's like, Roger that. I said, because I'm dead. And I, he says, Roger that. He says, I got the guy at your six with the PKM. And I look down, he's got his door cracked to the sacks and his barrel out there facing this guy. And I turn around, I'm like, well, shit, man, I would have done a lot better not knowing he was back there, too. You know, that's just one more thing. I, think. I was like, but thanks, man. You got him. Um, yeah, it was a uh, nasty day. So we thought we were going to be able to reverse out. They were going to let us through. Well, they let uh, chalk three and four back up, and then they threw this water buffalo truck in between us, basically dividing our forces. And we're ah. like, it's getting ready to be on. Uh, so the talk just advised us to do a uh, combat lockup. You know, um, they put an Apache overhead to make sure uh, none of the locals got uh, froggy. And then uh, Big Army arrived and we ended up uh, were able to push out of that. But that's when uh, things got really uh, nasty afterwards. You know, they had to paint the vehicles and all the stuff and all the accusations started getting made. Do, do you did the IPs come in just because of that initial uh, I wouldn't even call it assault, just that initial 
where hell broke loose and some civilians got killed and they brought him in because of that or, or because they initially thought it was a bad shoot. And, and I wasn't there, guys. I don't know if it was a bad or good shoot or if it was somewhere in the middle. A lot of times it's somewhere in the middle. It's, it's somewhere in the middle. Is. Yep. is that when they were just pissed off for like, because come on, give, give them credit, give us credit. We probably would have done the same thing. If an Iraqi shot up a, and even they did it on accident, we probably would bring out the same guys like, all right, motherfuckers, that's fine. Is that what you want? We're going to bring out all of our guns too. Let's, 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 yeah. let's have at it. Um, what, what was your opinion on that when you saw and when you got back? What, what was what were you thinking your ARs and and what was going through your head? Bro, from what I understand, it all stopped. It all started with a vehicle that refused to stop, which happened, you know, all the time. All and it was basically because of that inshallah mentality. I'm yeah. paying attention, and um, you know, the vehicle was engaged. Um, uh, unfortunately, driver ended up getting killed. Yeah, I remember. Yeah. Um, but the thing about it was, and I'm going off of what I was told, is a police officer got behind the car and started pushing it. Uh, At that, that point, 40 millimeter HEDP round was sent to the car, and that's what ignited everything. Did it hit the IP as well, or the IP? So well, it hit the car, so I think, I, I don't know. But, but you know, there's no report of because that was never said an IP was involved with any. That's a, that's the terrible thing about our media, too. It never said in the media that an IP, an Iraqi police officer got behind and pushed, basically pushing that car forward into the kill yeah. zone and or which what turns into a kill zone. If you don't, hey, if you don't respect right. my onion, guys, back the fuck off. Yeah, I, I understand that. Uh, what was what was your debrief like? And I know we got 15 minutes. So I want to even get more in the State Department. And, and was that the beginning of the end with you and State Department, where where you're where you're starting to see behind the curtain more or less? And like, hey, well, is- you know, I was starting to see because I went to Afghanistan right after that. I left. I was like, you know, what? I'm taking right. a break, three years, and I, that lasted two weeks. And next thing you know, I'm like, what do you got in Afghanistan? Next thing you know, I'm in Kabul. Yeah. Um. So I was starting to watch things unfold, but they were flying guys out of Iraq to Kuwait. They never flew me out. They said they couldn't locate me. I said, that's funny. I'm on a government contract with a security clearance, you know, in theater and you can't locate me. I was like, okay, guess you didn't want to hear what I had to say. Um, which was scary because I got in the first ever shoot on the whips program in Afghanistan. When was it to 2008? Yeah. Okay. No, yeah, I, I was, sure. I was in the hotel. I was at the hotel and I was going back and forth to Canada and all those places. Um, Talk, brother, you know, talk to us about that if you can. Because that, well, that was that's... the, uh, we were gearing up for a, uh, a movement. Um, I was an AIC, you know, just, I didn't want to get any more shoots. They were like, what do you want to do? You're clean for everything. I'm like, AIC, put me in the limo. You know, <laughs> I'll get invited to all the parties. I promise you, I'll get the team invited to the parties. <laughs> and I did. Um, we're gearing up and all of a sudden, car bomb, you know, shakes everything at Grizzly. And, um, they said movements canceled. However, they had let some Americans go out in GSO vehicles. Uh, it's the Ministry of Interior, I believe, which was across from the Indian Embassy. Yep, I got you. Um, so they said report to the embassy, um, and you're going to be briefed up on your ROE brief, and your AIC or an agent's going to step in as the AIC. So I got booted from the limo. And they put an agent in there. So the only place for me to go was the the cat vehicle. And they said, all right, you're in the turret, which was a land cruiser with the roof slid open. And they said, treat it like Baghdad. You know, we don't know if there's any more in there. Keep traffic back. I said, well, I did that for a year in a turret, so I know how to do that. So I'm doing my water bottle thing. Give me more water bottles, whipping them. I was having some great flashbacks. Um, We made it there, uh, loaded up the Americans that were out of the GSO, got them back. And on the way back, 
I had all the traffic held back about a hundred meters. And we were actually just in front of the NDS compound. Um, when a lone car came around the corner and just gunned it right across and, uh, I lit him up and, uh, cause we were stopped and, uh, I engaged. And then once the vehicle finally stopped, I didn't engage anymore. And we got back, had to go right back to the, straight to the embassy and, uh, start getting debriefed and everything. And, uh, they collected my weapons except for my, uh, my Glock. Uh, and I'd stay at the embassy all day, uh, getting interviewed by different agents and everything. I mean, it was like full on investigation and, uh, being in Afghanistan and you don't even have a cat card. We were yeah. just there on tourist passports on the WIPS program. You know, it, it became very, uh, surreal for me, you know, seeing what was going on in Iraq. Um, another friend of mine was on the GRS contract at the time and called me up and says, Hey, um, I heard one of your guys shot an NDS officer. Oh, it was NDS officer. I didn't know that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Lieutenant Colonel. Oh, shit. And I'm like, hey, I was like, hey, man, yeah, that was uh, that was me. He's like, holy shit, that's hilarious. He's like, all right, got to go. I'm going to go watch the, the video. And I'm like, video, video, wait, hey, hey, hangs up the phone. So, yeah, that, since it happened in front of the NDS compound, it was all caught on video. Um, from what I was told, it's now utilized. Uh, the State Department utilizes it, their high threat program as part of the uh, – uh, proper use of force, um, showing that I did everything. I used my force continuum before I actually engaged it. Um, the guy actually lived. I shot him right here, and it rolled and went out wow. the back of his neck. Wow. So he had a bad headache, and um, somebody well, it, bought him a car. I'll just say that. I said, inshallah, he, he lived through it. Inshallah, we yeah. lived through it. Well, you, you're doing all this. Now, I know you know some of the stuff that went on with us. You know, yep. We have a common friend. Sarah, Sarah Adams is a common friend of ours. And GRS buddies and you guys. You're, of course, your friend. Um, you know, I know we're jumping ahead because of time, but. You're yeah, I feel like all we got to do another part of this. Yeah, yeah, we're, so yeah, much. We're, like we're, I and I really appreciate you giving us <laughs> the inside scoop of the Nicer Square stuff because I think there's been so much speculation. So to hear like what really happened means a lot. But back to what you're saying. Chris. Yeah, you know, go you can, go on. What did you see? And and you know, skim it best you can through that time frame. What were you starting to see with State Department security and how obviously you're talking about it's becoming more politicized. We've got to use, we've got to use the, we've got to use the woke. We will say woke now because that's the term, even though back then it was the politically correct terms for getting in altercations. It seemed like we're, your guys are getting investigated, even though you're defending yourselves uh, yeah. more. Um, what did you see? And then when nine 11 happened to us in 2012, where were you at? And I know, you know, a lot of stuff that was going on, and, you know, if you talk about it, we have no problem talking about Charlene Lamb or Patrick Kennedy on this show either or any of the other people. So go ahead. Right. This is for the next 10 minutes. Get, get in what you what you can up into uh, up into our tack and then even what you saw after the effect. All right. So, of course, I had to leave Afghanistan for the obvious yeah. reason. Yeah. Um, they, I went back to Iraq and I took over the ambassador's detail and did that till I got uh, picked up by the State Department. Um, and that position came open because of Meester Square. They didn't have enough agents. They wanted agents on with every team. Okay. Um, so once we got our uh, clearances approved, made it through the hiring process, you know, went to D.C., they started putting us through a, uh, a special program. And part of that program is we had to attend the high threat program with the agents and stuff. Okay. Um, you know, the, the training program was it was pretty good. You know, the guys, uh, former Delta guys ran our CQB or shoot houses and such. Um, 
some plank owners from Delta. So awesome. although some of their stuff was dated, um, man, they were still way ahead of their times. Yeah. So yeah. High speed for me. Um, but some of the things like I, I saw, you know, even weapons quals, you know, of course you're doing a standard barrel on an M4, 10 and a half yeah. inch barrel, iron sights, EOTEX, you know, uh, uh, ACOGs. Um, but I, I saw people, you know, one person in particular couldn't qualify with an EOTEC. And this and was an MS, that, was this, this was an MSD, uh, I mean, M, MS, was this an MSD or agent? Not, not MSD. It was just an agent. Okay. You know, and, um, they said, okay, when you go down range, you're not allowed to draw an EOTEC for your weapon. <laughs> but you can still go down range, but you just have to get an ACOG instead. Is that what it is? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> or iron sights. Yeah. Oh, that's even um, better. Even the, even the PT test, you know, I'm, I'm watching it, you know, the pushups, the sit-ups, and I'm like, these are not proper push-ups. These are not proper sit-ups. Um, even the run, you know, and it was a mile and a half run, Chris. You know, it's yeah. not hard to do a mile and a half run. No. You know? I just did a, a 5K ruck march with my boys, and I haven't exercised in years, you know, for 9-11. <laughs> so um, we did. I, I looked back on my run, and I'm, I'm like, there were people that didn't even attempt to start running because it was wow. all participation only. Whoa, 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 whoa. They didn't have to qualify. The MS, no. the agents themselves. Now, when they get, no, I say MSD, tell people what MSD is and what that is within the State Department. The agents. MSD is the, the mobile security deployments. Um, and that's actually like a, a higher level. Um, they actually do go through some extensive training. It's usually generally squared away guys. I'm not going to tell you, I haven't seen some screwed up MSD teams that I've worked with sure. uh, that I would never want to go out with somewhere. Um, but then I've got some that were just solid as, as fuck. Okay. You know, it's like these guys were just on it and stuff. Um, and they did get to do a lot more advanced training. So they were, they were pretty solid. Okay. Um, so these were basically all the agents, uh, special agents for DSS uh, have to go through the high threat course before they're allowed to go through a, uh, a high threat arena, basically something that's been deemed critical, uh, like Iraq, Afghanistan, Pakistan, so on and so forth. Sure, sure. Um, so next thing you know, there's only five of us, five Blackwater guys that got picked up. So we're in this new program. So we're hanging out with the agents. So, I mean, there was things like the, uh, we had one, he was a Marine officer, you know, now he's an agent. And uh, we're doing room clearing, you know, and we're, you know, doing, uh, executing a turn in the hallway you know, corners. And he would be like, okay, you go high, I'll go low. And every time he would go low, he'd drop his knee. And with all his gear on, he would just tip over. I'm talking like five times in a row. Finally, somebody was just like, they're like, dude, why don't you just go high? It's obviously we can't go low, you know, or try a near and far thing or something, you know, just, <laughs> just don't go low again. Um, he ended up, he ended up getting lost in the, on the land nav course in the mountains of West Virginia. <laughs> you know, we had to go out and find him. We're like, dude, can you have a GPS in your hand? You know? And, uh, Those damn Marines. I were kidding, uh, Marines. I, I would give them shit. Like I, I think he came from, like, uh, supply or something. I don't know. Okay. Uh, so, yeah, that was that was my intake, you know, as far as the training went and stuff. It was kind of a joke. Even with our program, It's it's it wasn't very well thought out. So we had a huge... Uh, you know, went head to head with agents all the time, especially when I came in at the highest level as an FS3. So it's like a GS13 equivalent. Most of the agents coming over to Iraq were fives. Okay. Um, some of them basically maybe getting pointed to four. But um, so I went to Pakistan, uh, Peshawar. It's uh, where I met Sarah. Yep. Uh, I ran into Boone out there a couple of times. Um, 
I got there right after the attack that happened. Yeah, Peshawar uh, was pretty pretty hairy play. That was that was AQI headquarters in Pakistan for a lot yeah. of years. Peshawar yeah. was pretty rough. Yep. Yeah, I've got some stories about that. But um, uh, I left there, went back to Iraq. So we went to Basra, and uh, I worked with the military. Um, I was running moves with the military, learning the routes, the stuff they had out there. Um, because we were going to be doing that DOD DOS handover and there was no whips program going on. The whips program, uh, from years ago had been shut down. Okay. So, um, I was working, I was relying on the military and, uh, the GRS that was there in place, uh, working with those guys. Um, and that's where I was at, uh, during the September 11th, uh, attack. Okay. And, um, you know, we heard about the cartoons and stuff. I heard about, uh, uh, uprise at Tripoli and stuff. And then, uh, next thing, you know, we heard, we got the word, uh, about, uh, Roan and, uh, well, okay. Did, uh, did, you, did you hear any, was there any thoughts of people moving? Did they, Hey, were you listening to the radio as far as on 10 alpha and, and just hearing any movement at all the troops or were you guys, I mean, what what was the State Department reaction? I know you're in Basra, you're a million miles away from the headshed and and from DC, but what were this, you? This was this was my first thought. Chris, is um we had been doing rotations, okay? My guys, the security protective specialists for the State Department, doing TDY rotations to Benghazi. Okay, yeah, and uh, they pulled it. They said, well, you know, it's. Uh, We've got agents that want to go and stuff. Basically, they were going to send field agents uh, from a field office, you know, because they got pissed off wanting to do these TDY trips. You know, they got issued all this cool ninja gear from high threat. Um, So they want to put it on. I mean, shit, man, they got Instagram feeds to, you know, boost up. (laughs) So I don't I don't think a lot of people, you know, knew exactly what they were getting into, you know, and it's just like I I discussed, you know, I was on with the. Sarah and Boone last week doing my uh, video shoot. And, um, you know, in the beginning, I remember when we first got to Baghdad and we sat down with the RSO and he says, look, uh, we're glad you're here. You know, um, typically embassies are being evacuated in times like this. You know, the Marines are being sent in. You know, we've never stood up something like this before. And uh, we need your skill sets. We cannot operate without you guys. So we're very thankful for you here. We need these paramilitary backgrounds to get yeah, the mission yeah. done, you yeah. know, because they didn't have it. And it's not something you can go through a seven week course or a 15 week no. course. Now it's there, you know, and that's what I, I, I try to explain to everybody. I was like, you know, one of the biggest qualifications uh, that Blackwater had is you had to be a combat veteran because you got to know what you're getting into. Yeah. You know, um, and that, that was the, the biggest thing I took away from it, because as I, I've said many a times, the biggest part I had a hard time with was why is there a dead ambassador and the security team is, I don't know, unscathed, for lack of better terms. I mean, I know that there were injuries and such like that, but. Um, well, the, but the injuries came, the injuries came later, fired. Uh, the injuries came later at our place when we got yeah. hit. And, and, and yeah, and, and no, I. So did you see, and what were you seeing is that from, and I remember, I remember Iraq. I remember that, yeah, there was being a contractor and I, we had a good relationship with the RSOs, even though we may not liked them, they knew we, we were needed, but I, I didn't see that when I was in Tripoli or Benghazi. And I remember Eric Nordstrom complaining about that continually. He was, Eric Nordstrom was the RSO in 
in Libya and he would come eat, eat at our places. Did, did you have any relationship with him or, and is was he saying the same thing or were you guys all saying the same thing? Hey, we need state department guys on the ground that have experience in Afghanistan or Iraq or somewhere Pakistan. They need to be in Libya, not what you have here. Uh, and, or, in the end, you know, we, we kind of like, like I said, we were like the bastard stepchildren, you know, of the uh, state department. Um, I would get in, I, like I said, I would get into arguments and stuff and I really didn't care because I outranked them. You know, that was the philosophy I had, but guys would be like, why are you so passionate about this? One of the things in Basra, you know, I created this, uh, um, routine, uh, trend matrix, you know, to make sure we weren't building up routines. Yeah. Yeah. Of course. Uh, and then they come, I went on leave, come to find out the talk wasn't using them anymore. I'm like, what the hell's going on? Well, this one ARSO, he was a five, I'm a three. And he's like, why are you so passionate about this? And I'm like, are you freaking kidding me? I'm like, because we're in Iraq. I was like, have you ever fired your weapon outside of the range? I said, have you ever put a friend in a body bag? I said, wait, have you ever put anybody in a body bag? As if you had to lay on them and engage the enemy. I was like, those body bags, they leak. You know, it's not like yeah. it's a Ziploc sealed thing. You know? <laughs> I said, I've, I've seen enough. I've been in enough that that's why I take this so seriously. And this is why I'm passionate about it. That's well said, man. I mean, this this has been really eye-opening because I didn't know we were going to get into the whole Nisha Square stuff especially, and I think it's really important that people hear about that because people have a million opinions about Blackwater and about that incident in particular. So to hear it from you means a lot, and it's funny, Chris and I talked about this last week. You would think <laughs> some military websites would pick up on this type of thing and maybe report on the same things that we're discussing because this is so important. Um. Before we go, and I don't know if Chris has anything else, and the reason we're cutting it a little short is because Chris has to do rehabilitation on the quad. If if you're around next week, I would love to continue this, man, because uh, I think this is a this is like a great discussion, and there's so much we haven't covered here. Chris is going to be out next week, but if you're around, I'd I'd love to continue this. Yeah, I, I, if you don't, because I think we can go down and, and you can talk about because I I still we I wanted to talk about a little bit. We talked about the 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 mindset of some of the uh, of some of the diplomats and the people we protected. When you mentioned the guy in the uh, in the that went into fetal position, I, I've been through this situation. For you have as well. I wanted to talk to you about that and the realism of of executive protection and that everybody's a rock star or Rambo until the bulls start flying and then guys do go in that fetal position. But how training can stop that, or how at least hard training can minimize the chances of that where you saw that that training, as we got into a little bit, wasn't that hard when you got into the State Department side of the house. In fact, they didn't require a lot of it, but that's what you're going to see. When shit hits the fan, instead of a reaction that's correct, you're going to see somebody go in a fetal position, which now I've got to handle this guy, and I yep. put myself in danger because now I've got to focus here, and now I'm trying to, well, I'm getting shot at or something else is going on, and I wanted to get into that a little bit. So maybe you can get into that next week with Ian, or I can come on in with you. Again. Yeah, if you're around, are are you possibly around next week, Eric? Uh, you know, I'm I'm around all the time. Uh, okay. He's the boss. He's Let's the boss. Schedule. Next next. Let's week. continue this because <laughs> since since Chris is out, I my schedule is pretty free, and I think this was fascinating. I mean, I don't bullshit you when I say I think this is one of the best episodes we've had because I really think that that incident in particular and the Benghazi stuff, of course, but I think people hearing about that from you, from someone who was on the ground is important. And I'd love to hear your opinion on what happened after they got pardoned. Where are those guys now? That type of thing. And, um, and also just the other stuff that you did uh, in, you know, private security, what you're up to now, 
Uh, I think we haven't we haven't you know talked enough. So hope if if you could do it, I'd love to continue. And, and even though I'm not here, brother, I would like I would like you to tell listeners of of if you do know what happened with Kennedy and Lamb after us, if you have any store uh, any any knowledge of what went on with them and how they got out of scot free of of really they were. I know Hillary gets blamed for a lot. You know, the commander in chief needs to take some responsibility for what happened to us too. But those two names, they 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 got away scot free, and they shouldn't have. They were very much responsible. And, and Kennedy was responsible for a lot of shit that happened to us in Iraq for many many years as yeah. well. So I know I won't be here, so I won't be able to hear it and talk to you. <laughs> but I I I I would love to you if you would talk to Ian to to get into that a little bit as well because I think it's important. Um, because State Department does get away with a lot of bullshit. There's a lot of great people that are there. I love a lot of the guys I work with. Yeah, no, I've got a lot of friends that are still there. Love still, but well, I mean, my buddy Joe Espino is still still running, running a gun. <laughs> He's still running a gun. Awesome, part of the best, one of my best. Hey, Joe's friends. watching. Joe's watching this. Joe, try yeah. Come on. Yeah, Joe, you can't. He may be able to lift a bus, but you can't run anymore. You got a big old son of a bitch, Ranger. But I, you know, I just, I, I think it's important too that once you get off the ground level and you get on those head shit, the, those high ranking places, yeah, they, they forget. What's the importance? Well, I don't want people to die. Well, that's not important. Either. No, making it easy, making it fun, making it friendly, making it so I can get Instagram posts, putting people on the ground because they haven't used cool guy gear. So we want to let them use cool guy gear one time, even though we're in a war zone, that's taking precedence. And then, of course, hey, what's the political flavor of the month this month? Well, we're going to go that route. Screw guys being safe. We don't worry about that. So, um, yeah, but I, 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 Square, I know you, I know you had a lot of stuff to tell. I've known you for years and I appreciate you coming on and tell us though, cause you have a company now too. And I still got yeah. five minutes before I got to bounce. Um, what's your security company? You do a lot of teaching. There are guys looking for jobs. I always point them to your direction because you, you, you can hire, you're looking for guys yeah. to, to hire, to do executive protection and you'll get them trained up and you get them trained up the correct way. So talk about your business if you can for a few minutes before we let you go. Uh, so I've got a, I've got a <laughs> few businesses. Um, one, as you mentioned, the school, it's a select international. Um, so currently, like I said, we, we're running a security officer course. We run that every other week to get people properly licensed in the state of Florida. And then I run an executive protection program um, to where people come in and basically gives them a foundation to work on that want to break into this industry. Yeah. Um, I've had high threat guys come through it, um, you know, and I, I basically built the curriculum off my experience on domestic, uh, the high threat stuff, the diplomatic security stuff, being a business owner and all that. Um, so it's I, I've got a lot of compliments on it. Actually, we have a course running. and I believe it's in two weeks. It'll be our last course of the year. And it's had double occupancy, double occupancy. Wow. Uh, so we're going to actually probably be doing like a presidential style motorcade. It's so big wow. uh, for our uh, mock details. Um, and I only did that just to see how it plays out because it's the last class of the year. Uh, so who am I to turn away people? Um, but I'll get them going on 23. But we've got some advanced programs, some surveillance detection programs. Um, fortunate enough, uh, some of the guys that come through here, I've had a lot of uh, uh, Green Berets come through my course and stuff. So they've opted to come back and do some teaching of their own. Um, and then, of course, I have my uh, security consulting and investigations agency. Um, primarily, we look for workplace violence details. Um, we are supporting the uh, efforts of, from Hurricane Ian right now. I've got detail going on for that. And then uh, but mainly our specialization is high net worth families who we take care of in uh, the state of Florida. Wow. Awesome. How, give out the uh, give yeah. out the website, social media, where, where people find you or the company at large. 
Okay, so my school is uh, Select International, and it's www.v-select-pew.com. Then a Red Variable Concepts is uh, www.red-variable.com. And And do you have any social media? Uh, You know what? You can find me, Bodie Blacktoes, B-O-D-H-I, Blacktoes. That's my when Instagram. You, when did you I'm put black? To, when did you when did you put black toes on there? I didn't know it was black. Toes. You know what? I did it. I did it a few weeks ago. I was trying to sync up everything. So my Facebook synced up, my Instagram synced up, my Twitter synced up. I've never tweeted one thing. Instagram <laughs> posts, I have like seven of them. I just hired this girl. She's supposed to be like taking over this stuff for me. You know, Facebook. I get most of my business from. So it's uh, cool. yeah. That's I'm cool. learning, man. That's perfect. And yeah, it'd be great to continue this. I mean, it's episodes like these truly that I realize like I love doing this show with Chris. I really do love working with Chris doing this. And I love hearing these stories. I think it's so important to get this stuff out there because if it isn't for people like you coming on podcasts like ours, all people would know is whatever the mainstream media is reporting or misreporting. Well, no, I, I really enjoyed it. I really appreciate you guys having me on there. And as I tell everybody, you know, I've known Chris for a long time. I think the first time I met him is uh, was for a uh, secretary of uh, state visit. I think it was um, Dr. Condoleezza Rice. Was it was Dr. Yeah, it was Condoleezza Rice. She's, I wouldn't mess with her. I remember, because I was right she's, up, she's a, not not a big lady. She's a big lady. She'll whoop some yeah. ass. She, yeah, she's hardcore. Oh, uh, yeah. That was awesome. I remember that detail. That was crazy. I thought she was pretty hot too. I mean, I'm I just do. throw that out there. I I I obviously I like I like muscular women. I do yeah. I do. But but I'm in love with my wife. So no, I don't I don't mess with her. But but I I and I I just loved having you because I think back now and we really did contra so many friends that have gone on to do career cool things or have done things behind the scenes that you know maybe we just don't know about or now we're talking. We really were at a time where there was that was the golden age of contracting friends that just went on and have done crazy, miraculous things and have worked in the underbelly of this yeah. of the government and have seen some of the bullshit and now are willing to come out and say, hey, you know what? These guys were awesome. You politicians up top, you guys were shit bags. This is what I saw. And I, I love it because, like I said, talking to you now, it's like, man, yeah, I, I got some pretty cool friends. Every I don't talk to them too much, but when I do, they're <laughs> some pretty cool guys. So, man, I appreciate you coming on and always opening up because this is your platform, man. I, I want you guys to have this say whatever you want to say, even if you want to say, Tano, you're a douchebag. That's fine. I, I, I have that. <laughs> but you're you're awesome, brother. And, um, yeah, I know people are looking for work especially in the EP side of the house. Oh, yeah. so, so I always point them your way. And I, I think that, yeah, yeah, I think you probably might have some people calling you up and, and, uh, and looking, you know, as you do looking for a, looking for a job, but keep in mind guys, me and Eric and everybody else, we do, we do cross check. In fact, he just sent me a text a few weeks ago. Hey, do you know this guy? He says he's a ranger, this, that Blackwater. I'm like, uh, I don't think it's adding up. So be honest. If you're not, just say what you are, and Eric will work with you. He That's will. It. He will. Just, just That's say it. what you are. Yeah. Yep. yep. Well said, man. Yeah. Um. And, I, and perfect. Yeah. Last thing I'll say is, um. Yeah, Jeremy Mitchell, who works with Chris from Battleline Tactical, he's been doing an ongoing contest for anyone subscribed to the YouTube. Yep. So if you're listening, just go over to the YouTube, hit subscribe. If you're on the YouTube, hit subscribe on there, and you're automatically entered. Prizes from uh. Fort Scott Munitions, gift Thad, cards. We got Thaddea, Fort Scott Munitions. We'll have stuff from, uh, I, all the stuff from Bubs. You know, we'll, 
and then plenty of my own swag books and love love good stuff guys we always give away a lot of good stuff because i mean it's it's why not i mean yeah free free i like free stuff so that's yeah everybody I, I saw people commenting like what do i have to do to buy a ticket to this raffle you don't have to do anything you just have to hit subscribe <laughs> that's all you have to do um we're gonna have a patreon up Closer to 2023, we're doing our best to get that set up. I'll probably be flying to Fort Scott and hanging with the guys uh, maybe in December. We're going to have cool stuff like that um, canvas behind me, the Battleline Podcast canvas. We're going to do like a new one every month for people who um, subscribe to the top tier, like different artwork. We're going to have like comic book style artwork and just all different types of stuff for you guys. So um, we're going to number those and sign those. We're thinking of all different great ways to make this a really cool Patreon. So that's it. Happy Halloween to all of you guys listening. You'll be hearing this on Halloween. And uh, yeah, thank you, Eric, for coming on. I'm looking forward to continuing this. Thanks, bro. Thanks for having me. All right, bro. Take care. I'll talk to you later, my friend. Bye-bye. That's all for this episode of the Battleline Podcast. But we'll be back on Monday with more American Straight Talk. Until then, be sure to follow us on Instagram at Battleline Podcast and on Twitter at Battleline Pod. To sign up for future Battleline tactical courses, go to www.christantoperanto.net. Believe in yourself, face all challenges head on, and as always, never, never quit. quit.